0: Good morning, everybody. Lovely to see you all this morning. My name is Rob Vercoe. I'm a PhD scientist. Um, I have a background in agriculture, food quality, nutrition. And over the last 15 years, since I left my position as a postdoc at Imperial College London, I set up an NGO, a non-governmental organization called the Alliance for Natural Health International. And we've been very involved at this linking up these various diverse branches that relate to health and In the end you come back to three fundamental elements that are more powerful than any drug that is available in the market More powerful than EPO on its own or any doping compounds being used and that is really the combination of nutrition and physical activity and rest and we We hear an awful lot about nutrition. We hear an awful lot about training. The element that we hear a lot less about is what we do in recovery. And recovery is actually the period that we we spend most of our time in recovery. Even if if you look at pro athletes or um, any elite athlete, they will actually spend more time recovering than they will either training or eating. And when we look at recovery we've got to look at whether we're looking at recovery between exertions so if you're a cyclist and you're riding hills and downhills how quickly do you recover before that next uphill we've also got short-term recovery between repeats particularly relevant to HIT training what we're going to be looking here is much more at the the more fundamental recovery between bouts of workouts, um, and that's obviously the time that most of us, even if you're training say four or five hours a day, you will spend an awful lot of time in recovery, and that recovery needs to be um, conscious rather than unconscious. Um, cycling happens to be the sport that I'm most closely involved with. and. Um, some of you may re- remember that George Hincapie, otherwise known as Lance Armstrong's lieutenant, after he finished a race, he refused to walk. If they were living in an apartment, he would be carried up to his apartment. He would then sit down on a, on a couch or a bed, and um, he refused to move. He would look at various screens and obviously irradiate himself, but um, he refused to move. That was his idea of recovery. Got a lot of people who are reacting to the notion that the most important aspect of recovery is taking a recovery product, a formulated recovery product. So you've got a bunch of scientists out there so say, do you know what? If you get cheap old chocolate milk, you've got this magical four to one ratio of carbs to protein. You've got some sugars in there. It gives you the short-term glycogen replenishment, it gives you that four to one ratio, and there have been a number of clinical trials, and this stuff isn't bad, but there are problems with it. First of all, every athlete requires different amounts of combinations depending on them as an individual, and depending on their sport, and the particular time of their training regime. And secondly, one of the major factors that we all should be looking for in recovery is to not induce inflammatory reactions. Training is pro-inflammatory. Your inflammatory system, your immune system becomes massively upregulated, put under huge stress, and so everything should work to try and reverse that process. And dairy is one of 14 legal allergens If you're taking a whey protein that includes a concentrate, that concentrate contains 60% lactose. And that can induce a lot of people into digestive distress and resulting inflammatory reactions. And um, we were at Body Power, whatever it was, three weeks ago, and that's something else. But all the athletes that came there, all the bodybuilders that came there, we're all complaining about bloating, and they feel that bloating is a normal part of the any post-workout product. And it absolutely isn't and shouldn't be. So which way shall we go? The reality, when you look at what needs to happen in that 75% of the time that you're in recovery, you need to look after a whole bundle of systems. Um, energy system is absolutely key, but it is more than just glycogen replenishment. When you exercise, you are destroying muscle fibers, fast switch, slow twitch. You have to provide the right environment, and obviously protein and BCAAs are absolutely crucial to that process. Your skeletal system gets a hammering, you need to look after it hydration. How do we hydrate? A lot of people are using um, hydration products coupled with diuretics like caffeine. Um, they're also consuming water along with a lot of carbohydrate, which is affecting your hydration balance. Relatively few people are measuring um, cellular hydration. And I think one of the great technological advances has been the development of body composition scales now such as tinnitus that will do segmental body analysis and also give you um, a, a notion of your cellular hydration. Um, it's becoming ever more critical that we manage the, the gut and the microbiome. Um, many athletes, because of the type of foods that they're consuming and the excess consumption of carbohydrates, actually go through a huge amount of gastrointestinal stress, and if that persists day in, day out, week in, week out, year in, year out. It leads to gut permeability issues that can be measured by a functional tests. And once you have gut permeability problems, not only are you reducing the amount of net absorption of nutrients you are eating in your food and any additional supplements, you're also leaking through foods, digestive juices from the from your food and your di- digestive tract into your body cavity, and that induces persistent low-grade inflammation, which is really not a good way to recover at all. Massively increases oxidative stress. It's much more likely to put you into um, a state of immune collapse, which is what you don't want to do on the lead up to a major event. Another major feature is oxidative stress. We know that intense training increases radical oxygen species. Um, We also know that polyphenols in the diet, endogenous glutathione in the body are really important at mopping up these radical oxygen species. But are we doing enough? One of the common issues with a lot of um, diets associated with training, and fortunately it is moving in the right direction, is insufficient consumption of colorful fruits and vegetables because there is such a focus on starchy carbohydrates. Once you fill up on starchy carbohydrates to replenish glycogen, remembering that you don't store more than 500 um, grams of of glycogen at any one point. um, People fill themselves up on that, often on protein which obviously satiates readily and there isn't room for all the colorful fruits and vegetables that really are intended, have always been there from an evolutionary point of view to actually deal with oxidative stress related to physical activity. Remember, our bodies are designed to be active for 12 hours or so a day. Um, And and obviously, if you induce enormous amounts of exercise stress in short periods of time, you will produce an enormous amount of um, ROS. Um, Cardiovascular support, immune support, inflammatory response, neurological system, endocrine system, all of that needs to come into balance. What we're going to be doing is is having a look at some of the most important features of that. Um, One of of the other aspects is we can't and we shouldn't break all of these down into individual components because the more we understand about the different systems within within the body, the more we understand they are interrelated. So if you look at the development, say, of psycho-neuro-endocrino-immunology, the combination of four major disciplines, one of the reasons that's happened is that these systems are absolutely interconnected. And you find really effective ways of combining them when you get the physical activity, the relaxation, the recovery, um, the um, nutrition, um, and the sleep all together worked into a, a, a solid program. Now let's look at, um, at the whole issue of our energy systems. Yes, you can consume sucrose or glucose, or you can consume complex carbohydrates. But the bottom line is we have three different energy systems. We have the phosphagen system, the creatine phosphate system that gives us these tiny bursts of activity that might take you to the finish line. It's also the very same system that gets the couch potato off the couch when the house is on fire. We've all got the same amount, we can train it up, but we've also got our anaerobic and aerobic systems. Now, the aerobic system is obviously incredibly dependent on your mitochondria, and your mitochondria are basically bacteria that made their homes in our bodies and particularly in our muscle cells. We've all got to try and be like bumblebees because you may know that the bumblebee is the strongest animal on the planet and has the highest mitochondrial density of any animal. And um, for years people wondered how they flew but they just have very good mitochondrial volume and mitochondrial density. So working up the mitochondria is absolutely crucial to that process and the science of it again is pointing to the fact there isn't a magical drug to do that but there are a number of things such as intermittent fasting, fasted training, heat training and also moving to a calorie restricted and particularly a carbohydrate restricted diet through your training regime that really enhances both mitochondrial volume and mitochondrial density. We in the sports science area we've become very very focused on the fact that carbohydrates are the main source of fuel. Um, Actually in endurance exercise typically we might use up to about six percent of our protein. If we are not very good beta oxidizers of our fats, the reason why we can develop a little bit of body fat, and most endurance athletes will benefit from having somewhere between 6 and 10 percent if they're males, body fat. Um, endurance athletes as women, it's going to be around about double that. But this is our fuel store. And If we continuously consume carbohydrate all the time, the beta-oxidation system that operates in our our liver, that also produces ketone bodies that are one of the brain's um, most effective fuels, literally becomes dormant, goes to sleep. And then once we've burnt out our glycogen reserves, and that typically will, will happen in about an hour and a half of endurance training, you'll run out your stored liver and skeletal glycogen reserves. The natural response should be to move to beta-oxidation of fatty acids, fat burning. Um, The reality is for many people, increasingly as we become more and more dependent on simple carbs, and particularly we are training all the time by using carbohydrate gels, that system fails to work, and then people hit the classic wall. So you look at the the work of people like Jeff Bolick and Steve Finney that have been leaders in this field, Um, we shouldn't forget Tim Noakes in South Africa, Um, it's really about during the training phase trying to enhance the fat burning capacity so that you become much less dependent, particularly in your training on carbohydrates. So this notion of keeping your carbohydrate intake to 60 grams um, per hour can often be reduced substantially because every time you are ingesting carbohydrates to a degree, you're putting yourself through inflammatory um, stress. You are also using a system that actually produces a lot more um, free radicals than fat burning, which is really our long-term endurance fuel. So, um, and when you get this combination of intermittent fit fasting, fasted training um, sorted, as well as calorie restriction, it also triggers these signaling systems, these protein kinase signaling systems like mTOR and AMPK, that are really, really crucial to control lipid metabolism, um, glucose metabolism, and also use of energy and storage of energy. Um, And if we just keep munching on those carbs, it doesn't happen. On the right-hand side of the screen, you'll see one of the um, figures that we've created. It's downloadable on our website, you can see the, the URL link that we use in training both athletes and um, really anyone that is interested in developing metabolic flexibility. We prefer the term metabolic flexibility because what it's really saying is that you can shift between um, carb burning if you need it, but you also, in the absence of carbs, you will smoothly move to lipid burning rather than start um, catabolizing your muscles, which is the very last thing you want to do. And we'll look again how you can counter that by using particular amino acids and, and proteins in a minute. So that you've got these very, very complex systems that stop working in a lot of people that become um, very, very dependent on regular carbohydrate consumption. Let's remember our evolutionary heritage. The genes that we carry today are almost unchanged from those of our ancestors some 20,000 years ago. And yet we're now starting to do rather different things in terms of our lifestyle. So um, there's there's a mass I want to move through because we've got a lot of ground to cover. Um, There's a lot of um, work that's been done to try and move us towards using these thrifty genes, understanding that our bodies are actually adapted better to starvation than to overeating. And that really is the background to why intermittent fasting and caloric restriction is becoming so important for endurance athletes. And it doesn't necessarily mean on your day of competition that you won't fuel with more carbs. You will just probably be doing it to a lesser extent than the person that hasn't trained in that way or recovered in that way. So classic drivers for metabolic flexibility, and it's really a system that is pushing you into a low level of what we call nutritional ketosis, where you've got a very low level of ketone bodies. Um, You can measure it in the breath, you can measure it in urine, Um, and um, I don't know if you know the ketonics breath meter that measures acetone in the breath um, out of Sweden. Very useful device for that, Um, but really good evidence for this. Anyone who'd like the the detail of any of these programs, please contact us and we can let you have the slides. Um, But um, different people have different combinations, require different combinations. One of the elements that we found are most important is this notion of having at least a 12-hour fast overnight. So, eating late at night, having breakfast first in the morning, is not a good idea. The body really needs to recover. One of the really important ways of moving away from this persistent low-grade inflammation is to stretch that, that period of fasting, that overnight fasting. And on days when you're going to do fasted training, you may have no breakfast at all, and actually um, train in a completely fasted state after 16 to 18 hours um, without consuming anything. Um, when you complete your workout, you will then really need to um, feed yourself in the right way, consuming um, balanced proteins, um, healthy fats, and complex carbohydrates. We'll look at that in a minute. So. In order to maintain the energy systems and the mitochondria, there's very, very clear evidence that a whole bunch of micronutrients and cofactors are also required. So um, B vitamins, by and large, the NRV, the nutrient reference um, amounts, values, the what used to be called the RDAs, um, are simply not enough for um, an endurance athlete. Doubling, tripling, quadrupling, getting to about 25 milligrams of your carmine, riboflavin, um, it's pretty important, you might be up to, with your B12 that should ultimately be in the methyl palamin, you might be taking a lozenge that contains up to 5,000 micrograms um, that allows it to be better absorbed. When it comes to folate, um, there's really increasing evidence that um, folate is so crucial. Um, for all systems, but fundamentally it relates to one carbon metabolism, the very system we need to build new cells. And when you are training hard, your immune system in particular has a huge demand for new cells. So you need to have adequate folate. A folate comes from the Greek leaves, so dark green leaf vegetables, but also things like orange. Oranges are good natural sources of folate. But generally speaking, a lot of people struggle to get enough folate in the diet alone. So if you are going to supplement, you should be supplementing with the um, 5-methyl tetrahydrofolate form, the reduced form, because if you consume a large amount of the standard supplemental oxidized form of folic acid, it will start accumulating in the bloodstream. And when it accumulates in the bloodstream, guess what it does? It produces more radical oxygen species, the very thing you're trying to move away from. Consume it in a reduced form. You will use as much as the body needs at that particular time, um, and it won't accumulate. Um, then C, yes, a classic um, antioxidant, uh, but also very important for energy systems. Most people shouldn't be consuming more than about 500 grams um, every three hours. It has a very short half-life in the body, so if you want to take more than that, you should take them in divided doses. You need a whole bunch of minerals. Obviously, magnesium is crucial. Um, Taking a lot of magnesium can upset the osmotic potential in your gut. Anyone who's taken a large amount of uh, milk of magnesium, magnesium or magnesium oxide will know what it does to you. So again, a lot of people won't tolerate much more than 200 to 400 milligrams orally, but using dermal magnesium as a magnesium oil or a magnesium rub on the muscles is really important. If you are very magnesium deficient, you will find it quite uncomfortable, and I would suggest you don't do it for the first time before you have a major event the next day, having done it myself, because you won't sleep very well. also very important to look at on Q10 that's involved in electron transport, um, and of course resveratrol um, that you'll find in grape skins. It's the particular compound that's been found to be associated with red wine, um, but you can get it in supplemental form. Um, is really important in terms of modulating the protein kinase system mTOR that we talked about as well. Um, So controlling um, protein synthesis um, and um, glucose metabolism. In terms of muscles, obviously you need to have protein for recovery, absolutely essential, even the European Food Safety Authority agrees, muscle growth, muscle maintenance, bone health, you need protein. There's been an awful lot of science looking at the amount the body needs, Um, the FAO, World Health Organization, say you need 0.75 grams per kilogram body weight. Most of the work in endurance athletes suggest you need considerably more, but not too much, otherwise you put the kidneys under pressure. And you do not need the same amount that a bodybuilder needs. So, a lot of bodybuilders are taking 2.5 to 3 grams per kilogram, putting the kidneys under a lot of stress, but also developing an awful lot of muscle mass. An endurance athlete needs to maintain and build strong muscles that are very rich in mitochondria, but not necessarily build big muscles. If you've ever tried, doing any um, endurance work with really big muscly bodybuilders, you'll see they're pretty hopeless at it. So, um, sitting in the area between one and 1.6 grams per kilogram body weight um, is about right. Now, what we do wrong with proteins in our diets, we often really heavily denature them, and we damage them by excess cooking, because we're quite paranoid about pathogens that might give us, Uh, gastroenteritis, salmonella, etc. The reality is if you're using meat, I really recommend you get a um, meat thermometer and essentially if the coldest part of that meat achieves a temperature of 70 degrees for four minutes, there's not a bug on this planet that can live on it. So as we've moved to being in a rush with everything and applying a lot of heat to the outside of large pieces of meat like chickens, we we often overcook the outside in order to make sure the inside is cooked. So we increase our cooking times, but lower our temperatures, we damage that protein less, um, and we also don't form these nasties like polyaromatic hydrocarbons um, that, that really have, have been proven to be carcinogenic. Um, when you take a protein, again, we strongly advise it's not a protein that's going to put you into an inflammatory reaction. So. Um, in all the proteins we've been working with over the years, um, and I'll say this and raise my hand, uh, having a vested interest, on the lead formulator for, for um, We work with a pea protein. What we've seen with this pea protein is extraordinary results in terms of no bloating, no inflammatory reactions, it's not an allergen, and of the things that might be problematic in peas, in this particular form, there is, there is no lectins. Um, You've got to get the right amino acid profile, um, putting it within the 30-minute window. There are some studies suggesting even if it's as late as three hours, it will still work, but by and large, get it in sooner rather than later. Um, The addition of BCAAs, about five grams in a two-to-one-to-one ratio leucine being the dominant amino acid is also very good because leucine is the key amino acid that is actually catabolized during endurance activity. And obviously L-glutamine is as well and is very important for the gut. So um, if you look at specific P-protein isolates, you'll see that He's saying which is the active ingredient used has a very similar amino acid profile to whey or egg whites that are um, both have very good amino acid profiles, but both of them are legal allergens and can induce inflammatory reactions. When it comes to what you do with carbs, the beauty of having a very low carb protein is you can choose whether you want to have the classic 4 to 1 ratio or whether you want to have a, if you're on a very low carb diet. The reality is for many endurance athletes, they might oscillate between times when you've burnt enormous amounts of energy, very long training programs, large events, where actually a 4 to 1 carb ratio is ideal but then short bouts of training where you may just want to use the protein on its own. Um, where you consume carbohydrates, by and large, it's better to consume a, car- a complex carbohydrate. And rather than using whole grain cereals that a lot of people are using, um, we would suggest, or I should say, whole-brained cereals containing gluten, because gluten is so strongly associated with interference with zonulin, the enzyme that controls the tight junctures in our gut, we'd say move away from anything containing gluten. So yes, oats, um, gluten-free oats are an option, but then options like sweet potato, for example, can be very, very effective as well. Um, so it delivers um, carbohydrate at a slower rate of the body, it's not pushing your insulin response pushing you into insulin resistance, which is the precursor type 2 diabetes, something you see in a lot of older athletes. Um, I've really got to move on here. Um, so hydration, um, again, for many people, they're using electrolytes combined with carbs. If you're trying to push yourself into fat burning, um, we would recommend using um, pure electrolytes. And Elite um, from Mineral Resources International um, is a, a phenomenal product that really improves cellular hydration. In terms of immune support, you've got to have a good diet. We've just we've got some handouts for that. Have they been? Um, they are all sitting up here. So when you finish, please take a copy of some of the dietary food plans that, that we recommend through Alliance for Natural Health. Um, but again critical cofactors. One of the most exciting new products um, and I should say I shouldn't really say new because it's as old as the hills, but is the use of supplemental ribonucleotides. Dietary ribonucleotides, these are things that we find um, in fermented foods we find them in certain yeasts. We find them in um, fermented sour products in particular. But you can now get them in supplemental form, and they are absolutely fundamental in terms of supporting the immune system. They are known as conditionally essential nutrients. For many years, we thought they were just essential for infants, so they were put into infant formulae to make it more like breast milk. But now athletes, um, XL is the first product out there, and losing it. In terms of inflammatory or anti-inflammatory support, um, turmeric is pretty much a magic drug. It has seven major multi-targets that it works on, which you don't find in any regular drug. big problem with turmeric is bioavailability. Um, When you get a turmeric product, what you want to look for is something that assists the bioavailability. Most of the research is pointing to... essential oil, turmeric, um, bioperin, which is um, a specific extract from black pepper, um, and now cyclodextrin as being components that you can use. So, this is a high street product, Huckerherbs Holistic Turmeric. It's probably one of the most effective um, turmeric, curcumin products on the market. It's got three different extracts, it's got essential oils in there. And now, uh, uh, Better use has come out with um, a very interesting um, psychodextrin product. Um, I am being rushed on. There's our foundational food support plan. Um, pain support, really important in recovery to look at pain support. The two products that we have um, been working with that are incredibly exciting, both of them are are here at the show today. Um, Pain pod and a Minor Academy with the Patches. Um, extraordinary products, fantastic to use during recovery. Um, sleep, um, protein magnesium supplementation, sleep hygiene, um, no use of computers or screens at least an hour before bedtime. I'm sure everyone's already following that. Um, there are also a range of, of different tests, overtraining tests, oxidative stress tests, functional testing. Um, the, in Vivo Clinical, I hear they do a whole range of fun- functional testing. Regenerative Labs as well, I hear, do a range of functional testing. Um, Able Sports is a fantastic overtraining test run by Knight Scientific um, that we've used, um, really important it's used with a lot of Olympic athletes, um, football teams though recently on BBC television. And they've got a very good... Um, uh, in, in in vivo um, antioxidant tests that will tell if you're getting enough antioxidants in your in your diet. So genetic tests as well. Um, and I want to wind up now. Sorry to rush the last part, but thank you very much indeed. stand which is two stands down there anyone wants to come for questions um, i'm going to take these with me so come and grab them from the stand as well thank you <laughs> take, take them now absolutely yes. Help yourself, no mm-hmm. worries. Mm-hmm. Yes, if we if if just take your um, email address and we'll put it there. Yes. On the user stand, so two, two stands away. Side by No problem. There. Uh, so this is the this. this is our team.